Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But then it went badly downhill for a number of varying reasons. And I took the view that so many business owners take that you just get out and hustle and get more income. Just go get more clients, get more revenue, just hustle, hustle, hustle. And that's what I was doing. And I got one day, my office manager came to me and she said, I quit. And I'm like, okay, right. And then she said, you don't replace me. You can't afford to replace me. And at that point, it's really, it's, you know, the dagger in the heart. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey everyone, my guest today is Amanda Fisher, also known as the Cashflow Queen. Amanda mentors business owners and entrepreneurs with the skills they need to improve cash flow, increase profits, and grow their business. Amanda's goal is to help other entrepreneurs gain confidence and control over their business through financial awareness. After overcoming a business crisis of her own back in 2008, Amanda realized the true power of understanding your business numbers. Now she wants to teach others how to take control of their cash flow. In this episode, we chat about why accounting is not all that complicated if you learn to analyze your numbers properly, how to improve your cash flow by focusing on the future, not the past, why different situations require different financial approaches, and finally, the importance of financial awareness and knowledge. If you tend to get overwhelmed by accounting and numbers, make sure to listen to this episode. Trust me, it'll change your perspective on finances entirely. Let's get started. Hey, Amanda, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm really good. And thanks for having me, Tyler. Yeah. So I'm really excited to get started here. Hey, can you start out with telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do now? Yeah. So I'm, like, I'm a CPA by training, and I've done that for probably more years than I can, I'm going to confess to. But <laughs> you know, I did all the tax filings, and for a long, long time, I thought I was just like every other CPA. You know, the, dare I say it, you know, boring, you know, just get in, get the numbers done, and that's it. And But I always felt there was something more to it than that. And through a series of things that happened, and we'll probably talk about them as we go through, I realised that I did things differently. I didn't do the way everybody else did it. So the end result was I kind of ended up becoming what I now call a financial educator and 
helping people to understand their numbers. And that's just so, so critical in business is to know what the numbers are, how to use them, how to see through them to the stories they tell and make useful, informed decisions from them. So it's been an interesting journey of ups and downs along the way. I travel a lot as well, and, uh, of course, I can't do that in today's world, which is a tad disappointing, and uh, I love my white Christmases, and I don't get to see them either at the minute. But, but yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, it's a bit of a short one. I think we'll get into it more as we talk a bit. Absolutely. And what I love, I'll give a disclaimer to the listeners. We're not going to get super geeky in numbers, but this is, I think both of us can agree on this. This is one of the things that I often see most glossed over by business owners because they are kind of scared of the numbers. And the beautiful thing about you, I've I've read about you, you have a book, we'll talk about it probably at some point here. You break it down in very simple to understand ways. And that's what's so needed with small business owners or just business owners in general, because they're just so scared of numbers and they just, it's just gobbledygook a lot of times the way we, we communicate it. So I want to start out with, you're known as the cash flow queen, which I love. And there's a reason for that. And it, it kind of built up. Can you go back to what got you there? I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. So, uh, and it's uh, not a fun one in a sense. You know, it's one of those uh, one of those dark days. And, and they were dark days. We'd gone through a recession. I'd bought into a business, you know, an accounting practice a couple of years prior. Things were going well, but then it went badly downhill for a number of varying reasons. And I took the view that so many business owners take that you just get out and hustle and get more income. Just go get more clients, get more revenue, just hustle, hustle, hustle. And that's what I was doing. And I got one day, my office manager came to me and she said, I quit. And I'm like, okay, right. And then she said, you don't replace me. You can't afford to replace me. And at that point, it's really, it's, you know, the dagger in the heart, it's really hit home. I've gone, this is a lot worse than I thought it was. I knew it was bad. But you know what? The reality was I wasn't looking at the numbers. I mean, duh, I'm an accountant. I know about numbers. But I wasn't looking at them because I was too afraid to see how bad it was because I knew it was bad and I just, I thought, oh, no, I don't need to know how bad it is. So sort of the day she she quit on me and she was doing the right thing, God bless her, you know, she was absolutely doing the right thing for me as well as for herself. And I started to look at the numbers. And, and yes, I get that I know what to look at when I look at the numbers, but the moment I looked at the numbers, it was crystal clear what I needed to do to get out of the hole I was in. And it wasn't just the hustle to get more clients. Yes, that was a component of it. But there were a series of other things and decisions I needed to make to get out of it. And it didn't come quickly. It didn't happen overnight. But over a period of time, I yeah, made those decisions, implemented them, and slowly kind of crawled and pulled that business back into back into the black again, into a profitable situation and and a business that yeah, was a joy to go to again. And that was that was a massive turning point for me in also taking me from being that everyday garden variety accountant into realizing that I had a lot more to give and I had a lot more lessons that I'd learned that, I needed to share with other people. And then kind of what happened over a period of time is people started calling me the cash flow queen because of what I was talking about. And I and I actually went, nah, 
Now, number one, I'm not a queen because I'm not precious and, you know, like, you know, queens are up on pedestals, right? Or they should be. And that's not me. I'm just a, you know, you're, you're everyday girl next door. Like I'm not that. And then it's like cash flow, but then that, that kind of then pockets me just into talking to cash flow. And I, I don't talk about so many other things and I've got a much broader knowledge. So, but anyway, it's stuck. And, uh, yeah, I've embraced it. <laughs> in awesome. the end, I kind of went, yeah, you know what? It's good branding. Let's use that. <laughs> That's a powerful story. I'm curious because you just made me think of something. As you said, you know, hey, you didn't really want to look at your numbers. You just kind of didn't want to the truth. What's your feeling? Do you think a lot of business owners go through that where they're like, you know, as long as I don't know about it, things are okay and, and people are getting their paychecks. Do you think that's a common thing? Yeah, I think it is. I Very much so. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I think for a lot of business owners, it's just they don't have the knowledge. So it's a scary area. I think the accounting profession has put this mystique around it, that it's complicated, that you don't need to know. You just need to know the numbers I'm telling you. You don't need to know all this other stuff that I do behind the scenes. Like this is, you know, I've done years of training to do this. And we have. I'm not taking that away from us. But they put out this whole thing that it's complicated. And one of my things I say when I'm training people is it's not. Accounting is simple maths. It's adding, subtracting. Sometimes we multiply, divide, and do percentages. Like it's not complicated. So I think a lot of people don't look at the numbers because it's, it is too, they don't know what they're looking at. And so it's like this sheet of page with all these numbers on it that don't mean anything. I think that's one. And I think then if they do know a little bit about it, then it's the fear factor of how bad is it? You know, so it's a combination, I think, but, but it is an area that a lot of people just don't put any time into. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. So, you know, I'm curious, you're the cash flow queen. So I would be remiss by not at least starting to talk about cash flow. What are some common things that you can say about cash flow, what it means to business owners? What's your guidance generally for business owners about cash flow? The first thing is you need to be forecasting it. You need to be looking at the future. I think, again, the accountants traditionally, you know, we've always been reporting history. We're looking over the shoulder, what happened last month, last year, last quarter. Cash flow is about looking into the future. And yes, I do get often from clients and people asking me questions, yeah, but I don't know what the future is. Yeah, I get that. We don't. But we do know some things. And depending on the type of business you have, you may already have income that's coming in over the next few months. So for me, cash flow is looking at the next 12 to 16 weeks specifically. Yeah, you can take it longer, but that's the more known in most cases. You're already doing, depending on the type of business, to say you're doing work, you're going to bill it at the end of this month, you should get paid next month. You know what's coming up in the next period of time, or you can take a fairly good guess at it. And we know what our costs are. So the big thing is, what are your expenses going out? Because going backwards from that, if you know what money's going out, you know what money you need to get in to plug, if you haven't got a gap, to plug a gap or to make sure you've got the funds coming in. So for me, the big thing is is doing that plan and a week by week, 12 to 16 week plan. It also gives, once you get that and you know it works, the funny thing I find about that is, is it kind of takes the stress off. And within that, I guess the second thing on that is building what I call a stash of cash. Now, it's in the bank, not necessarily under the bed, but, <laughs> <laughs> but just having, having a buffer 
you know, even if it's one month's worth of your expenses in the bank account at all time, you know, you got your month covered, you get out, do what you got to do from a business perspective, which is why you went to business in the first place, do the fun stuff. And then, you know, the money will come in and you've got enough for next month. And so I think, you know, the stash of cash and forecasting, they're the two key things to make a difference on, on working with cash flow. Yeah, there's so much wisdom there. I love that, you know, when you say forecasting, I think a lot of times people think, oh, year, two years, three years. And it's just like, you know, you can't really forecast that. But when you're saying, you know, three to four months, and especially cash, it's like, wow, what a great tool for business owners to have some visibility looking forward, but not too far out where it's not not something that they can rely on. So that's really cool. I also like your stash cash uh, idea. I think, and I'd be curious if you see this sometimes with clients, you know, good times when they're happening, they take all the money out of the business, they're flying high, and then the inevitable curve hits and they're not quite as flying as high, but now there's, you know, there's expenses and not a stash of cash sitting there. And now they're in a crunch. Do you see that frequently when people aren't doing these steps? Absolutely. And I, even in the good times, I've seen exactly that money being ripped out to buy the fancy car, to have the nice holidays, all the rest of it, but they're not paying their credit, their, their suppliers, they're not paying the bills. And I've been in a situation where I've had a client not pay me for 12 months, but they went on this overseas fancy holiday and spent, I don't know, 30, 40 grand or something on, on this big thing. And I think, geez, you owe me money, you owe all these other people money. You shouldn't be spending money. I understand we need a break. Right. <laughs> but you don't need to have an expensive one. Like you know, you got to it's that whole living beyond your means. And certain levels of business in terms of size and the business, bigger businesses doesn't happen in the sort of smaller end. It's like they treat it like their own personal bank account. So if there's money in the account, oh, goody, I can go and buy this or I can take the kids on holiday or I can do whatever without understanding that cash flow of, hang on a minute, you've got bills to pay and they must be paid first before you can take money out for you. And, yes, I know Napoleon Hill wrote the book, you know, you you pay yourself that 10% first, and I love that and I'd love to do that. For some people you can't. If, If you haven't got the income there, you can't pay yourself first and let everybody else go to, you know, hang out to be paid months later. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. I'd love to know your philosophy. Last few years, maybe it's five years now, there's been a lot of discussion about business owners having five, 10 business accounts and moving, you know, if they have taxes into an account. I can see your reaction. So I'm going to love to hear this. Uh, Sorry for those folks that aren't aren't on video. But, you know, I just want to know your thoughts on that because I definitely have some passionate thoughts and I'd just be curious what yours are. Uh, I agree to a minor extent. So I agree to have an account for taxes and employment costs that, you know, you you pay the wages for the team and there's all these various costs that have to be paid as well. They get their net paycheck, but you don't have to pay the taxes and the other bits until later. 
I agree to potentially having a bank account to cover that or to cover, you know, your sales tax, your GST, your VAT, you know, the local taxes. Where I don't agree with it is the that whole philosophy of, oh, when you have a bank account, when you put money in to cover the rent and, the, and to cover, you know, these costs and that cost. I just, I've seen, <laughs> I've had a few clients who've tried it and they're just getting the biggest pickle because there's not enough money in one account to cover at the end of the day. Somehow I didn't get enough in there. So then they're robbing out of it. Yeah, you know, they're sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul. They're taking from here to there and it just becomes a mess. Not only that, it's actually an accounting mess. And I I think that the people that propose that, whilst it's dumbing down accounting and, and I kind of get what's sort of what's trying to behind it, but they're, in my view, they're treating people as being dumb. And I don't think that's right. I think that you need to educate people so that they have the tools. It's like, you know, teach a person to fish, you know, like give them that the knowledge so they can work sensibly rather than just give them this sort of framework that is, is clunky. And I don't think it, it teaches them anything. Right. And to your point, I think it also basically gives them a license not to manage their business. I mean, I feel like if you're managing, I chuckled when I first read the book because I felt like, wow, you know, I've been for the last 20 years, been working with clients that have no problem paying their, you know, keeping track of what bills they have to pay and what's coming up and whatever. And that's because they're managing their business. And if you're managing your business, you really don't need to go through, frankly, and I mean, no disrespect to anybody, but to me, it feels a little gimmicky when you start breaking it out so much. I agree with you. I definitely have clients that put money aside for taxes. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's usually a big hit. So yeah, philosophically, I love your thoughts there. I'd be curious in terms of like meaningful management reports, do you have any tips for what you would tell a client in terms of how to create them and or, or what ones are important or what they should be looking at? Great question. Thank you for that one. I do. So one of the things I learned and realized as a result of my cash flow crisis was that different situations in business require looking at different numbers. So again, sort of traditionally, we've kind of said, look, yeah, what's your revenue? What's your gross margin? Which is, you know, kind of how much money you've made if you're selling product, how much money is owed to you, you know, and how much money have you got in the bank? Yeah, a few kind of key numbers that get thrown around kind of regularly. That's what you need to look at. Like, well, actually, maybe not. Because maybe if you're in a different scenario, those aren't the right numbers to be looking at. And you might be needing to look at what your bills are owing. You maybe need to be to look at just you know, what your stock turnover is, what like there's a whole range of other numbers. So for me, the management reports are all about the stage in business. So you start up, if you you know, been in going for a few years, you're kind of just getting a getting a bit of a go on it, or if you've been in business for many years and it's mature. So, so the stage of the business, also what's going on in the business. Is it are you in a growth phase? Are you in a kind of a tread water where just hanging in there stage? Are you kind of just plateaued or are you, you know, struggling? Each one of those means looking at different numbers. And I've got a whole framework that I created called what I call the modern business framework, which talks about the different areas that and the different numbers that you need to know and look at. I think once you've worked out what that is, that then dictates what you put in the management report. Yes, you can put in the standard income statement and your asset liabilities, your balance sheet, you can put those in, 
Definitely looking at your forward cash flow. So definitely that should be part of what's being looked at on a regular basis. But then when we come to other things in that report, it really depends on what are those areas to focus on and never be focusing on more than three, maximum five, because it's too much. Working on, focus on one area to improve, you know, two or three of those, because that's enough. You know, those little tweaks make big differences. But if you're too spread out and got a, I've seen reports that have got like 20 KPIs on them and I'm like, yeah, okay, what are you going to focus on? It's too hard, too much. Are there some common key performance indicators, KPIs or measurements or dashboards? Are there some common metrics there that you do see businesses often should be focusing around that come to mind? Or can you even give us an example of some that you see most commonly? Yeah, obviously, if you're in a product, selling products, then then the gross margin and gross profit is very key and making sure that, you know, you, you're pricing correctly. I also believe for a service-based business that they should be doing that as well because in a service-based business, whilst you're not selling a product, you're selling time. There's a cost to that time, whether you're paying, you know, wages to the team or whether you've got contractors, doesn't matter. And there may even be some little little um, other costs associated, depending on what you're doing as well, some software costs and things. Those You need to find a way to be able to identify how much of the time of the team is being spent on doing the deliverables and then working your gross margin on that. So I think your gross margin is always a really good one, and but sometimes it's about breaking it down into the different types of work you do. So being sometimes the KPIs are more specific around what's going on in each division. Working capital is a, you know, is a bit of a geeky term, is a bit of a jargon term, but it basically to explain that is money in the bank, money people owe you and money you owe, less the money you owe your suppliers and for your bills. And that's a good one to look at and better than looking at what your money in the bank is. And I've certainly known a few people who run their business just saying, oh, we've got money in the bank, I'm good. Uh, it's like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> so some of those, and then we get into more detail. I, I tend to delve when I'm working with clients and talking more, we go into details. So we might be looking at a particular line of costs and going, okay, how can we improve? I was working with a florist and, you know, so they've got flowers and people putting the, you know, bunching them up together, whatever they do, the florists doing their thing and delivery costs. It was an online forest. And so we delved into, you know, how much is the flower cost for each of the different types of product? What's the markup? Like we've gone into massive detail and it's made a, made a big difference. We've, I think we've increased that uh, gross margin by over 30% because we've looked at it. Haven't looked at it, but it's kept going the way it was. That's a pretty big change. <laughs> I'd be curious, you know, one thing I've heard you say is that focusing on revenue may not always result in profit. And I think it's probably falling in line with what you're talking about. I'd love for you to talk about that. One of my favorite sayings is revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. And so I think it's going to probably fall around this. I'd love to just know your thoughts. Yeah. And I think the most misunderstood or hardest to understand part of accounting is, you know, that whole exercise of, oh, you say I've made a profit, but where is it? I've got no money in the bank. And it's that difference between if you've got a, if you're a cafe 
a restaurant and you, you know, you, you sell, sell your food, your people come in, they buy from you, you get paid straight away. So your revenue and your cash flow is very aligned. You're buying your fresh food pretty much daily. You may or may not pay for it daily, but, you know, there's a, there's a very clear alignment with the revenue and the cash. But for businesses that are invoicing and being paid later, so you've, you've provided credit to your customers, you know, if you're a service business, you're doing the work, you invoice them, they pay you, you know, hopefully on time in your 14, 30 days, whatever, but they pay you later. So there's this big difference between when you when you actually take up the revenue, so when you've invoiced, so you might invoice, you know, this month, but you may not get paid for another two months. And so that's the big difference on the revenue side on the cash flow. And then you've got the same in terms of expenses. But it's the, the difference on what we call accrual versus cash. That's, again, a jargon term. But it's that difference between if you are invoicing and being paid later, then your revenue is not the same as your cash. And that's even a bigger reason to be looking at your cash flow moving forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you also find sometimes when companies and owners are so focused around revenue that, and it's kind of back to your gross profit margin thing you were talking about, they kind of lose focus on the quality of the revenue. So they're, yeah, their revenue is growing, but their profit isn't because they're just doing a lot lower quality business. Do you see that happen very often? Yeah, no, I've got a great example of that one too. <laughs> one of my friends, actually, he uh, runs a business with a couple of colleagues and they had three different divisions, like three separate kind of parts. It was a had website development. They were doing some graphic design and I think some IT. So they're quite different but logically together. And they just had all the money together and they were growing and growing. The revenue was going and they just weren't making any more profit. I thought, what's going on? I said, okay, guys, you need to separate it. And lo and behold, because they used to have arguments, literally arguments over which was making more money. Oh, no, I'm making all the revenue in this section. And anyway, so we separated it out. And lo and behold, it was classic actually because one area was making a lot of money. Easy money, really highly, highly profitable. There was one area that was doing okay, you know, in the ordinary business, and another area that was hemorrhaging money hand over fist. It, it was losing, losing money. And it was the area they were actually promoting the most. So they flipped it on its head and promoted the area that was making the most profit. They decided to still keep doing the loss-making one because it was a bit of a loss leader into other work. But they stopped focusing on it and they also looked at how could they be more efficient about it so that or could they put their prices up. So the classic on that when you do that breakdown is is looking at is there a way to reduce your costs but also do you have your pricing right? I did that even with a, a product business and, and she hadn't put her prices up for quite a few years. She was in a kind of a in the disability sector feeling like, you know, there's a limit to how much you can charge. But we sat back and looked at, and we went through line by line on, on her major, you know, major, the bigger price item. We put the price up, I don't know, a bit. And just by putting that price up, yeah, made a massive difference to the bottom line because it it is a bit of a captive market in that one. And the number of sales didn't stop, but we actually were making a an appropriate margin on it. It wasn't wasn't over the top, but it was an appropriate one as opposed to kind of you know making a dollar for a ten thousand dollar sale. It didn't make sense. Yeah, that's really good feedback. Hey, I'm just curious before we wrap up here, 
Do you have a, a tip or some type of uh, guidance that you could give us that we can apply, whether that be on our personal lives or our business lives? I'd love to just hear something that uh, you could share with us. Thank you. Now, let me think about that one for a second. Um, <laughs> Nothing like a curveball, right? It's <laughs> a good curveball, that one. Oh, I've got so many. But I think the big thing for me is that just look at the numbers. Make a time, put a, an appointment, even if it's with yourself, but if you can with somebody else who's appropriate, in your diary once a month for an hour and look at your numbers. Just put that in as a regular must do. I'm not saying weekly, no. I mean, some things need to be looked at weekly, but there's no point in looking at a lot of the numbers more frequently than monthly. But just make the time to start to learn about it. And because if you do, once you do, you're going to feel much more empowered and much more in control of your business and be able to make decisions, not just from the gut, but also knowing that how it works and what the impact is. Because it sometimes those gut decisions, they may be the right one, but a little tweak on it will make a big financial impact that if you don't know, you may you may miss out on. Yeah. That empowerment and control that comes from having your business awareness is just, I'm sure that's one of the biggest charges you get is once you see your clients, like the light goes on. I'm sure you just love that. Yeah. And and what I find with that is that you know, <laughs> I do myself out of a job effectively. <laughs> so once I've gone through, and literally that's my whole purpose is at a certain point in time, the person that I'm working with is able to do, you know, make those decisions themselves. That doesn't mean they don't ask for advice and yeah, still, but they've got that confidence to go, you know what, these decisions I can make myself. I now no need to rely on, you know, and your advice. And like, that's great. Perfect. That's awesome. So a couple things. You've got a book called Strangle by the Numbers. Awesome book. I read through it. So that's one thing I want to let the listeners know is out there. Take a look at it. You also have a website called, appropriately, The Cashflow Queen. There is a link, a special link. It's a little bit long to save over audio, but I'll be sure that I put it in the notes so someone could click there. And I believe it's a barometer that they can actually uh, go through. Is that is that correct? Yes, that's correct. It's, you can get to it from, you can also get to it from the cashflowqueen.com website. Okay. But it's a, yeah, it's a test to see how, how well you know your numbers and kind of the areas that you need to perhaps focus on. Awesome. I love that. So I'll put all this in the show notes. Is there anywhere else if someone wants to like research about you or learn about you, you'd like them to go and check you out? Really, everything's on, everything's on, on the cashflowqueen.com website. All my free content, you know, everything's there, articles, videos, podcasts, you name it. I've done it all. Very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, I'm so excited to have had you on the show. You're a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure a lot of people are going to get information out of this and, and hopefully get more control of their business. So once again, thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. That's been very interesting and insightful from my end as well. So thank you very much. Awesome. Have a great day. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business.
Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid. Electric acid.